What up, what up, everybody? Welcome back to the Showtime Forum podcast, talking all things purple and gold. I'm your host, Chris Camello, joined, as always, by my astute, esteemed co-host and Showtime Forum contributor, Mr. Chaz Pearson. What's good, Laker Nation? Five and two, feeling good, right? We got another good one for all you fans of the now 17-time NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers. Are the Lakers already the kings of the ugly wins? How crucial has depth been? Is the defense already a concern? And what can we expect this week? We're breaking that all down and more on this edition of the Showtime Forum podcast. But before we do, be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum. You could also follow us on our website, the showtimeforum.com. That's the T-H-E showtimeforum.com. Chaz, Happy New Year to you, man. Happy New Year, Chris. What's good, man? Hey, you know, we're trying to get out to a good start here in 2021, as are the Lakers, who uh, won their first couple of games to start off the new year. Granted, it hasn't been pretty. It hasn't been pleasing to the eye. It hasn't even really been clean basketball for 48 minutes. But hey, there's an old saying, just win, baby, quoted by the late great Al Al Davis uh, from the Oakland Raiders. And in a season that's bound to be unpredictable, you want to rack up as many wins, no matter how, no matter who delivers, you just want to have that W next to your team's name after a certain night. So Lakers are, are, are doing, they're doing their job five and two right now that are on their first extended road trip of the year. Uh, granted, it's kind of almost felt like a mini playoff series in a way, you know, going two games in, in San Antonio, now two games in Memphis before you come back home. And, I mean, at this point, you're saying to yourself, yeah, they're winning, but they could be better. They could be turning the ball over less. They could be defending better. Their offense could be more efficient. But right now, the fact of the matter is that they're down a couple of key players in Alex Caruso and KCP, and they're still finding way to gut out wins different ways every single night. So, I mean, there's only so much uh, complaining you could really do. And I think what we're going to be doing in this show is nitpicking what they could be doing better, what we want to see do better. But at the end of the day, as long as you're winning, should it really matter? I guess I'm getting a little philosophical here. What do you think? I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, though, you like to win, but it's it's about how you win. And it's about habits that are being created early on in the season. Last year, the Lakers were lamented for taking the regular season so seriously whereas their counterparts, the Los Angeles Clippers, were coasting throughout the season to start the season. Kawhi obviously load-managing, Paul George missing games early with the uh, two shoulder surgeries, things like that. But the Lakers set the tone from the first preseason game. Obviously, they sent out that warning to the NBA via Twitter of that first preseason game against, uh, I believe it was Golden State, that the Lakers were in. And they kept the same energy, literally, from that first preseason game all the way to game six in the bubble of the NBA finals against the Miami heat. So um, your habits and your tendencies are what they are and you want to create them early on. So that way you can just coast based off of what you've been used to all season long already. So um, this year, the Lakers are actually starting out a little slower. I would say obviously for a multitude of reasons and they're winning ugly and they're being able to rely on their talent as well as, a lot of their effort 
towards the end of games, but um, they're five and two and they're playing well, well enough to be able to create those habits and be able to create those tendencies that you can rely on throughout the remainder of the season. More than anything, more than anything else, the Lakers have been able to showcase all four of their guys, all four of their new guys, I should say, have had breakout games. Marcus All obviously had that great game uh, where he was dishing out assists left and right. Wesley Matthews finally broke open a game where he hit six of six threes uh, this past week in San Antonio where the Lakers pulled off a blowout win, uh, the first win against San Antonio, not the second one, which was pretty close that we'll get into. And obviously Trez on Christmas had his breakout night and Schroeder uh, has had a breakout game pretty much almost every game that he's played thus far this season. He is by far a reliable scoring punch, not off the bench, but to start and playing with the second unit as well. So all of their new guys are already starting to get acclimated, and the guys that are at the top, like LeBron and AD, are obviously still just getting things filled out. They didn't have a, you know, that long of a layoff, 71 days or whatever it was. So um, I'm going to focus more so on guys staying healthy as much as possible and just creating those tendencies and habits, even though KCP uh, was the first player to actually catch the injury bug this year. Uh, Alex Caruso has missed some time and he's still out due to COVID protocols. Right. Very curious to find out what, what the backstory really behind that is when he gets back. But um, Alex Caruso is still out and KCP missed the last game in Memphis with a sprained ankle that he suffered uh, in last Friday's game against San Antonio. Yeah, exactly. And, and I agree with a lot of those points. Look, when you don't have the benefit and I go back to what you and Devon said on a Showtime forum post game. And I thought it was one of the more underreported overlooked aspects so far. And that is when you do not have a full training camp or a full off season after the new players were all acquired. So you could have maybe a mini camp, private workouts, being able to go to a facility, whether it be in El Segundo at the UCLA health training facility with the Lakers practice or somewhere else uh, in LA, or maybe in Vegas, like, like they were at last year during, uh, during the summer league, it did not bode well for bringing in that many new faces. Right. So now instead of trying to get to, no Wesley Matthews and Marcus Saul and Trez and um, some of the other new players that they picked up. Uh, it is very difficult now to just try to say, all right, you know, go out there in a expedited training camp, only four preseason games, and now start to learn how to play with one another. We don't even really know what practices are looking like, especially when they're on the road. Granted, yeah, you know, you got films, you you have Zooms and films, and you could probably do some one-on-one stuff in, or, or like three, four guys in a hotel room or something, but you're not doing what you would typically do in a normal NBA season. So if anyone thought this team was just going to, mesh together automatically because a lot of these guys are proven winners or role players or whatnot. I mean, there, there's a learning curve. Guys need time to get familiar with each other, find their comfortability and their niche within this offense. And particularly with this, with this new, uh, with the new terminology and the new coaching staff. So it takes time. And that's why I even said, like, don't expect the Lakers to just hit the ground running and dominate through these first few weeks, because you have a lot of different pieces, not to mention you do have a thinner front court now. So that's kind of address, you know, that's, that's exposing a new weakness that they didn't really have last year. So instead of 
Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee down there commanding the five and altering shots and blocking shots. Now you have Montrezl Harrell, who's at six, seven, six, eight, not a great shot blocker, not a bad shot blocker, not a great shot blocker. And you got Marcus all former defensive player of the year. Yeah. But his best days are behind him. He won defensive player of the year, like six, seven years ago. I mean, this guy is aged since then he's had foot problems. He's not the same as he was. So we have to kind of temper our, our expectations for now and re- realize that the Lakers are not going to be the same defensive team as they were a year ago. They're not going to be the same offensive team as, as they were a year ago. So we have to kind of temper these expectations and realize they're still not going to be a bad defensive team. And they're still not going to be a, a or bad offensive team just means they're going to be different. And we just have to, give it time to let it crystallize and see what kind of defensive and offensive team that they're going to be. They're still a top 10 team in all major categories across the board. So they're fifth in points per game, fifth in rebounds per game, seventh in assists per game and sixth in opposing points per game. Uh, meaning how many points you give up to your opponents every night. So I think they're seventh um, in overall defensive rating as well, you know? Yeah. And another thing to yes. point out is they gave up 36 on Sunday afternoon to the Memphis Grizzlies. Memphis only ended up scoring 94 for the game. Now, granted, there's an asterisk next to it. No John Morant, no Jaron Jackson Jr. So it's hard to put a lot of stock into that. But still, for, for giving up 36 in today's NBA and still holding a team to under 100, their defense really Great. play from the second half of the second quarter on, I thought from the six minute mark of the second quarter on their defense really got it together. And granted Memphis cooled off. They missed a lot of open looks, but still Lakers, when they really needed to clamp down, especially in that fourth quarter, they were able to. So it goes to show you that this team is able to turn it on in both ends. And this goes back to your coasting theory that we're going to do as least as possible to win ball games without expending too much energy and having to play too many stress minutes. Yeah. I mean, the defense is the only part to me that is the most glaring as far as, you know, are the Lakers coasting or are they trotting out there like they can flip a switch? To me, they're clearly playing like they can flip a switch very easily. They know that. and But I don't think that they're taking advantage of that. There's a difference between the two. You know, um, you've seen Golden State do it. You've seen them, you know, just kind of let a team back in, play down to their competition sure. a, a lot of times. And obviously that Lakers, is a pun of being a championship caliber team. And the defense. But I haven't, I haven't seen the Lakers do it just yet. Like they're getting really good. No, they're getting really good games out of their opponents so far. I mean, the Spurs played them as well as they can. Spurs might be a playoff in, in team both of those, year. in both of those games, Memphis without Jaron Jackson, Junior and John Morant gave the Lakers, you know, a fight up until midway through the fourth quarter until LeBron wanted to, you know, uh, take over, take over and score 13 of his uh, 22 points in the fourth quarter uh, overall. So, but Anthony Davis's defense has been lackluster and he has said it himself. Offense too. Offense too. Uh, often, offense too, but his defense leads to his offense and gives him the energy that he needs on offense to create the, uh, the extra possessions and the mismatches that he can take advantage of as well. So I think that his defense uh, just needs to come up. He's already uh, referenced that and he knows it. So nobody else can tell him anything about it. He, he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest defensive player in the league right now. I think he should have gotten it over Giannis last year. I think this year, if he's, I mean, not, obviously not so far, can't be the defensive player of the year, but if he steps it up, uh, then he can definitely be the defensive player of the year if he chooses to do so. 
Another thing that's really glaring to me is that the LeBron and AD care nothing about their stats this year so far. Nothing at all. Anthony Davis is averaging 21. LeBron James is averaging 23. They're both averaging under 35 minutes a game. I mean, which is good. The Lakers, good the Lakers, it's great. It's great. Yeah. But LeBron's usage is actually up just a tick in terms of his overall usage rate, not the amount of minutes that he's playing, but the amount that he's used, the time that he has the ball in his hands, things of that nature. He's at 32.7% as opposed to 318 for last season. So he's being used a little bit more, um, but rightfully, rightfully so. He's getting the ball in, in the spots that he should, and he's converting what he should as well. So I, I'm more than happy with LeBron. I, I can't, couldn't be happier LeBron's with, doing the guy, good. with the way he takes care of his mind as well as his body. He said it last night as well in the post game, talking about how he just keeps his mind sharp more than anything. So, and, and I don't even um, think he's in the proper yeah. shape yet, because if you've noticed, like there've been times where guys have been able to get their hands on, on the ball. And, you know, you mentioned in our interview, Derek Jones jr. Getting those blocks, like he's still not in that top tier shape yet, but I think just give it time, just give it time, you know? And, and I, I do believe that LeBron at some point will reach that max peak that we all know him to be. And maybe he does it. I mean, don't forget, this is another year now and it's an expedited year. And it's, it's a special year that he's not even prepared for. And this is a guy that went to eight straight finals. So, but still right now, he's still finding ways to be effective. And he put the, I mean, 14 points in Sunday afternoon's uh, game in the fourth quarter alone. I mean, he was kind of cruising only eight points, uh, missed some, missed uh, some makeable shots early on, but he, when he turned it on, Lakers were able to, really get get away from Memphis and create some separation. And that's why they were able to end up get, getting that win. So, but yeah, I mean, go, going back to the San Antonio, I, I want to point out one other thing, and this is, this is key. That San Antonio game, the second game, that was like one of the first or second nail biters that they were in. I'm not going to count the Clipper game. I think the Clippers had control of that game. Even when the Lakers started to close the gap a little bit, you never got the sense that the Lakers or uh, were going to overtake the Clippers in, on opening night, but in that Portland game, they're still it, it could have been anybody's game. And Portland put the finishing touches. Dennis Schroeder in the San Antonio game literally took over offensively, but more importantly, defensively. That defense on Demar Derozan, who by the way is an All Star caliber shooting guard, former USC product, pride of Compton. He was having a pretty solid performance against the Lakers and Schroeder oh, locked yeah. him up. He did a fantastic job. And I thought that was the difference in the game. So we're going to get into the Lakers depth in a minute, but I want to kind of almost start there. Dennis Schroeder. I know I was critical of him in that Portland game because of lack of playmaking and he was trying to do too much against Damian Lillard. And I thought that in that game, he just wasn't able to get it going defensively. That was not the case in the San Antonio game. He did a brilliant job on DeMar DeRozan, and the Lakers do not win that game without his presence on both ends of the floor. Schroeder got the clamps, man. He, he's he got straight-up clamps. Not only can he score consistently, not only is he fast and crafty, not only can he pass as well, but he can do it all. He got the clamps, and we saw it last night in Memphis when he was able to force that uh, turnover in the backcourt, and then we – we also saw it on that last play down the stretch, like you said, on DeRozan. What's really, really huge as well, We don't the Lakers don't win that game without Kyle Kuzma's tip-in to take the lead at 105-103 with, I think, about maybe a minute left in the game. 
there was about more, maybe a little under two minutes left in the game. Kuzma had a really big tip in that game against the San Antonio Spurs, the second game. Um, and then obviously AD has some clutch free throws at the end right. as well. And AD hit a really big three to tie up the game at one Oh three. So um, I said, after this road trip that the Lakers could potentially sweep it, they're one game away from doing so uh, when they play, on Tuesday night against the Memphis Grizzlies for the second time in a row. Mm -hmm. And then they'll be coming home against San Antonio once again, and then the Chicago Bulls. So we'll get into that a little later on as far as if the Lakers are going to pick those games up as well. But I said that they would go 4-0 in this road trip, and they're they're right on schedule. Chaz the Prophet. Chaz the Prophet. Hey, I I mean, look, I was a little bit. Call it like I see it, man. You call it like you see it. I just didn't like the fact that you thought that Lakers could just – show up and take these teams down these are these are competitive franchises and some of these guys are playing for for jobs they're playing for rotation minutes they're trying to show their coaching stats and the league that they are players so what better way to shine than against the defending champions in a game that a lot more people are going to be watching so that's why you can't you can't sleep on san antonio who could be a playoff team this year we'll see i mean a lot of people think it could be a rebuilding time but they got a lot of solid players i mean just in those two games alone a lot of guys played well for them and they didn't even have Lonnie walker to shante murray exactly yeah uh, uh well yeah Derek white is is pretty good i i like murray's game i've liked murray's game since day one uh, even that guy Eubanks was was really good. I mean, he he played really solid underneath. So Jakob Pertl. So Eubanks, I mean, Eubanks had some good energy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I mean, and even look at this Memphis team. Even with their two star young stars uh, not playing, Tyus Jones played well. Dylan Brooks. Uh, you you got Brandon Clark, Jonas Valanciunas, really solid player as well. So I mean, Desmond Bain who played, who played great for them. So, I mean, they, they, they just, both of these teams have got some really good young talented players. And I think depending on how the season goes, they could be in the mix for a playoff spot. doesn't mean they're going to make the playoffs. I'm just saying they're going to be in the mix and they're going to be a tough out on, on any given night throughout the regular season. But you know, another aspect, the reason why the Lakers have won these last three games has been their depth. And it particular, particularly, showcase Sunday afternoon against Memphis. The Lakers were dead in the water, man. They, uh, they were down 11 in that first quarter. The starters got out to a good start through the first three, four minutes. And uh, after that, just a whole lot of nothing. And then THT comes in filling the void for Caruso and KCP. Uh, He came in. Who else came in? Wesley Matthews played, played really well. I, Hey, real quick. I just want to say this about Wesley Matthews. Trez was really good. Wesley Matthews. Now three games in a row. He has really had solid performances, both ends of the floor. This is why you can't crush these guys after three, four games. The sample size is too small. Give Wesley Matthews the benefit of the doubt. Look at the entire scope of his career. This is a guy who could light it up. He could be very streaky at times, but he's always going to make an impact on the defensive end of the floor. And and look what happens. You stay the course. You start finding your comfortability, your niche. You see the ball go in once. All of a sudden, that basket gets as big as as an ocean. And it's it's like throwing a ball into the ocean from the sand. It starts becoming that much easier. So that's why... Laker fans have got to calm down when a role player struggles and not crucify him. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, I mean, no, I'm okay with crucifying him. When you miss 10 straight threes, I'm okay with a little crucifying. I mean, making one out of three or, or whatever the case, you know, when you're in a slump, let them have it. Let them know about it. Don't, I mean, don't send them death threats or anything stupid like that. But, but let's not also say okay. he's a bust. Okay. It's Criticizing okay. is one thing. 
but Ab- saying he's worse than absolutely. Danny Green, yeah, there's that a- was on call for because the sample size is too small for that. The- there's there's most definitely line. When you miss your first 10 threes through the first three or four games, you know, KCP did a similar thing, airballing layups and stuff like that, having Anthony Davis laugh at him on the bench. But I, but Wesley Matthews misses first 10 threes and now has, I believe, made 11 of the next 16 and is now shooting 45% from three for the season. So the good tends to outweigh the bad and – Everything seems to balance out in the end. And Wesley Matthews not only is shooting well, but he's playing much better defense than he was, say, on Christmas or against Kawhi Leonard on that opening game um, or even in some of the other games. He's playing much better yeah. defense. In the Clipper game, he was bad. He it's was really bad. getting him going. Yeah, it's, re- it's really getting him going, though, on the um, on the offensive end. His defense is really just sparking that for him, and he said so um, post game yesterday. And we shouldn't be surprised what Montrez Harrell has done. You know, the rebounding, the second chance opportunities. This is what this guy does. He is an animal on the glass. I mean, that's just what he does. He creates second chances. He creates secondary opportunities. He could finish around the rim, even though he's missed a few easy ones here and there. But I do like his outside game. His free throw shooting has been solid. I mean, that's the one area you could say that he's better than Dwight and JaVale McGee at is he is a better free throw shooter than those guys. And just his energy... Yeah, and his energy and his hustle. And I think even he is still finding his way. I don't even think, even in that breakout game that you pointed out on on Christmas Day, I don't even think even then we've seen the best of what Montrez Harrell can do. And another thing, I think that also falls on the coaching staff. I think they got to do a better job putting him in high screen and roll, particularly in that second unit, especially when Schroeder's out there. Get that high screen and roll going, a la Lou and Trez, the last three years with the Clippers. You guys should be watching film. Trez should be saying like, Hey, this is what works for me. This is how I like to, this is how I like to operate. So just, just to create another caveat within the offense, that way it's not just about him creating his own opportunities, but now you reward him for that hustle because guess what? If you get him the ball or is he as, or if he's touching the ball in the half court sets, guess what? He's going to be playing harder defense. He's going to be crashing the boards even harder. He's going to be blocking shots, occasionally taking charges, getting his hands on loose balls, getting uh, getting on the floor, trying to grab a loose ball. So that's the one thing I love about Montrezl Harrell. I, I think he should be touching the ball even more. But remember, we, can't, we came into the season knowing the Trez that we saw with the Clippers may not be the Trez that we see with the Lakers. We may not see 18 and nine. We may see more like, 13, 14, and seven a night, which is fine too. But I still think with his talent and his ability to finish and, and draw fouls and play hard, he should be getting rewarded more uh, w- with more touches, at least more touches. And um, we saw that a little bit more in Sunday's game after last couple of games, not seeing it. And I hope that continues. So for me, I disagree a little bit. I don't, think that Trez is a guy that we really should run plays for specifically. I mean, we can put him in better positions. Most definitely. I'm a, I agree with that, but running specific plays for him at, out of sets. Um, I'm not sure about that. When you have Anthony Davis, if Anthony Davis is on the floor in the second unit. Sure. That's what I'm, I'm saying. I'm okay with, I, I'm unit, okay with yeah. that, but, but, but even, but even more so I want to, you know, I'm running plays for Kuz more than Trez or even Wesley Matthews to get, to get him open in the second unit. But I hear you. I'm hear you. I'm with you at the end of the day. He's more of an energy guy for me. The way I think about it is this Montrez is 
an upgrade from Dwight Howard, right? If we if we were to get yeah. and def- and defensively as well. Not saying he's a better, not saying that he's a better defensive player, but overall player, he's an upgrade because of what he does offensively. His defense isn't that big of a drop off, and he plays hard, rebounds, gets you extra possessions. In my opinion, okay, um, and and he can get out to the perimeter a little bit easier than Dwight and Javale can. That is a little a, bit. That I, is a plus as well. Yeah, I got you. It's more spacing. It's more spacing also to clear a lane for LeBron and AD. But more than anything, for me, um, I think that Montrez, his energy and what he gives is leaps and bounds better than what Dwight could give. Because if Dwight gave us four points, twelve rebounds, five fouls, no texts, and a win, we're, we were happy with that. Mm-hmm. Trez can Trez can do the same thing and has his worst game was four points 13 rebounds but his best game was 22.7 rebounds so he can do both obviously he's going to be a he's going to average a double double for the season but any points that I think that we get from Trez in my opinion is just icing they aren't point, points that are needed that are extra energy points to be able to out rebound an opponent and win certain categories in order to stack up the plus minus and be able to pull out a win late in the game. Your stars and Anthony Davis and LeBron James are going to carry you and be that hammer to a bunch of other nails that you have really good nails, obviously, but LeBron and AD are that hammer to that. And I love the upgrade that Montrez has been able to bring because Vogel says he catches everything and he finishes everything. And for the most part, that's been true. Uh, I just love his energy, love his effort. So, Shout out to Trez. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. I would love to see this guy only because Chaz, I've seen what he can do with the Clippers and you, you have a capable guard in Dennis Schroeder. And I mean, you could even say LeBron James uh, to a certain extent where you could put this guy in screen and roll and you know, he's going to do the right thing. You know, he's going to roll hard. You know, he he's got the capability of finishing or he's going to be able to draw a foul. That is the element of the offense that I like is that it does create opportunities for points. That's the thing. So yeah. Do you need to draw up plays? I'm going to go back to your original point. Do you need to draw up plays? Is it a necessity? Like with the Clippers, I think it was more of a necessity uh, because he was such a, a big part of that team because they didn't have a lot of other offensive talent outside of their big two and then Lou and, and Trent. So they, they, they had a good thing going there. So Doc Rivers decided to ride that out. Do the Lakers need that out of him? No, they don't. They don't. Not when you have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. However, the fact that it was so successful with the Clippers, you would be remiss if you didn't try to pull a page out of that and say, huh, is there a way we can make this work? Maybe not to the extent that the Clippers made it work, but still make it work in the sense of this guy's working really hard, both ends of the floor. He's getting out on guards. He's trying to defend really talented, skilled big men. Let's keep him engaged on the offensive end of the floor by giving him at least some touches. Let's that that's, that's all I was saying. But overall though, I like what I've seen from the new guys. I think we've seen pockets of potential and pockets of, Oh man, that could be a flaw down the road. So you're kind of seeing both ends of the spectrum here, but once again, it's still early and everyone is still trying to figure it out. And if all, if all you could do is go up from here, what's the team going to look like when they're completely locked in and engaged with one another? That's my thing. That is my great question because that was the first thing I was about to say. 
what's the first game on the schedule that the Lakers actually get up for, right? Because clearly they didn't, they weren't up for that Clipper game. It was ring night, celebration night, 71 days after the championship, you know, too big of too quick of a turnaround. But now that the season has started, we're two weeks in and there's two weeks left until what I think the game will be that the Lakers will really get up for. Um, that's going to be January 21st in Milwaukee against Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks hmm. because between and we'll get into the schedule as well in a little bit but between now and then you got games between the Rockets the Warriors the Thunder the Bulls the Spurs and the Pelicans those aren't I mean those are teams that obviously this is the NBA you don't you don't want to take any opponent lightly but that's not a game that you're looking forward to to prove something or measure yourself up against another team to see kind of where you're at in the season. So more than anything, the depth that we have to be able to get us to that point is the first thing to me. That's when I'm really going to start looking at this team and judging this team until then, as long as guys can stay healthy as much as they can, yeah. I'm looking more so at guys like we just talked about Dennis Schroeder, Matras Harrell, Marcus Saul and, and Wes Matthews. And yeah. one more thing I want to point out about Wes Matthews is I love the synergy and the synchrony in which he runs the pick and roll or the pick and pop, I should say, with LeBron James. How fast and how firm he sets his screens and how he's able to turn his hips and get into a shooting position quickly. And as great as LeBron can pass the ball, I saw that in San Antonio and Memphis this past week. Man, that's going to be lethal and deadly, especially come playoff time. 11 points for Wesley Matthews in Sunday's win. He had 18 uh, against the San Antonio Spurs in the second game, six for six from downtown at one point in time. So he was absolutely fantastic. Marcus Saul, we've seen him really make an impact on both ends of the floor, actually. Anthony Davis has talked about the impact Marcus Saul has made defensively. So whether that's just with communication or, you know, how to defend a screen and roll. Obviously, he's not the athlete as JaVale and Dwight Howard. We know that, right? So, and he even said it himself. If I'm going to block a shot, I just have to be in the air. I have to time it perfectly. So that way I could actually get up and block the shot. You know, I'm not like Dwight or JaVale where I could be a second late, but because I'm long and I'm quick and I'm athletic, I could still swap that off the glass. He knows who he is at this point. And he knows, yeah, there are going to be some nights where, the, the matchup is going to be difficult and there are going to be other times where he's going to be able to hold his own, but Mark is still going to find ways to be effective. I know there's some cr- criticism on his three point shooting, but I mean, at this point, if you can get 30, 33, 34% out of Marcus all from downtown, he doesn't attempt that many a night. If he's going to attempt four or five threes, you want him to hit at least one or two, if he could, you know, and, 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 and exactly. But what you like about him is his ability to find the cutters, operate out of that uh, mid to high post, find the cutters, set hard screens, and just do the right things on both ends of the floor because he is a high high IQ player with a lot of experience, a former all-star, a former defensive player of the year award, and a former champion. And, and, I mean, this guy has just been through it all. So I love what Marcus Saul has done so far. It's not the same as with JaVale and Dwight. I get that, but he's still making an impact that's noticeable to his teammates and the coaching staff. So uh, this is what we're talking about. The depth of the Lakers is great. It's better than what it was a year ago because these guys could hold their own without necessarily a LeBron or an AD on the floor. Yes, LeBron and AD, you're you're only going to go as far as those two guys, but you're still getting high-quality production from these guys, from from these other guys, or as the others, as, as Shaq likes to call them, 
than when LeBron and, uh, and AD are not on the floor. So you don't need that guy holding on to the bicycle seat while you're trying to ride a bike on your own. It's like, hey, guys, we got it from here. We'll, we'll start. We'll, we'll let you know if we need you. So as good as the bench and the depth is, that leads us into obviously one of the more, you know, I don't want to say glaring issues, but areas of improvement for the team overall. Sure. What's up with that defense, Chris? Where would you, where would you like to start as far as where the Lakers can be better defensively and how they can improve from here on out for the rest of the season? Yeah. Once again, this goes back to reps. This goes back to chemistry. This goes back to guys being in the right position and doing what they need to do. And the lack of practice time uh, certainly hurts them. Now, granted, you have a defensive-minded coach, a defensive-minded staff, Lionel Hollins, Phil Handy, Jason Kidd, Frank Vogel. All of their teams have always been known for defense, right? But it's hard to play great defense when you're not getting the reps in in inter-practice scrimmages, when you're not being able to be in the same room for, for film. So you could go in, go in on one another and say, hey, Wes, you were late there. Or Trez, you got to help here. Or Mark, you got to do this. Or Schroeder, you got to do this. Or Kuz, you, you know, what's the deal? It, it obviously takes a lot of effort, but it takes a lot of communication as well. It takes repetition. The Lakers last year, for the most part, had a normal season, except for the bubble, right? They played, what, 60-some-odd games together? So they had a normal season, normal travel time, normal, normal film sessions, uh, normal uh, practices. Not to mention you had a lot of defensive-minded guys, Avery Bradley, Danny Green, Dwight Howard, a former three-time Defensive Player of the Year winner, Anthony Davis, Rondo. So now you have a team now where guys, it's hard for guys to be that vocal when they're still trying to learn the system. So who's that defensive captain? That's the question here. Who's that defensive captain? Who is going to keep everybody on point? Because last year you a- had a slew of guys. That AD. It. It, AD. Right, but is he doing that right now? That's the question. I don't know. I, I and don't in know. what circumstance pra- can he do it if you're not having normal practice time? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and we won't find that out because guys aren't in practice. They're Kyle Goon and, you know, the rest of these guys and Dave McMiniman, they're all – on these zoom calls. So I'm not in practice. So they don't know who that defensive captain is, but obviously it's LeBron and AD calling out coverages. LeBron is that linebacker and AD is that enforcer on the inside and on the perimeter uh, calling out coverages. But I, in real time during this podcast, I wasn't able to pull up the the net rating defense rating, everything like they're seventh that. right now in the middle. And no, they are fourth overall in, in- defensive rating at, at one at one hundred four and a half, they're second in overall net rating. They're also fourth in uh, overall. I'm sorry, in defensive rating and overall offensive rating, they're second in net rating. They're second, so they're top four in all three of those categories. So what are we complaining I mean, there, about, right? There, there's there's room for improvement, no doubt. In terms of missing coverages, because we've actually watched the games, that's why we can talk about it. So anybody listening to this podcast is somebody that's probably watching the games anyway and and can relate with us in terms of what we're seeing with missed coverages and things of that nature. More than anything, it's Montrez on pick and roll coverages and on the inside and when to help and when not and kind of mistiming his jumps on rebounds and stuff like that. Right, and and here's the common misconception. Well, Trez isn't bringing what JaVale and Dwight, right? But if you notice... There, the, whoever Trez is supposed to be guarding, 
is setting the screen and now he is switching out onto the guards. So where is that back line help? Who's helping the helper? That right. is something that has to be, be AD, AD or, or LeBron. LeBron or whoever is supposed to be that guy. Yeah. Who, who's, who, exactly. Yeah. So that, that's what it comes down to. Yeah. Trez is six, seven. We, we, you know, we could beat that to a dead horse. Trez is not going to grow three, four inches between now and the end of the season. We all know that. However, I've also seen Montrez Harrell protect the paint at six, seven, six, eight. I've seen a guy named Draymond Green protect the paint at six, seven, six, eight. I've seen him do that, finishing the game at the five spot and still able to recover and protect the paint. So Trez is capable of doing that. It's not to say that he's not, but also too, think about some of the matchups that he's gone up against. Yusuf Nurkic, Ennis Cantor. These are skilled big men. Evita Zubak, skilled big men. Jonas Valanciunas, skilled big men. Not to mention these guys are seven feet tall. So yeah, there are going to be nights where it's a little bit difficult for Trez to slow these guys down. But last I checked, these are also top 10 caliber big men. You've got to be, maybe not cancer, but the, the other names that I mentioned. So you got to be able to defend as a team. It can't just be Montrez Harrell covering up everybody's mistakes or Anthony Davis covering up everyone's mistakes. You have got to defend as a team. And we still have not seen that. Why? Because of the lack of reps, because of the lack of practice time, because of the lack of being in the same room and getting on the same page and working on those defensive coverages. So that may be the one thing this year that takes the longest to evolve because of the circumstances because of this goddamn pandemic that I'm blue in the effing face of talking about. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, and we're, and we're without Alex Caruso at the same time as well. So the Lakers yeah, are it's a big part fourth too. on the perimeter in, defense in, in anyway. Yeah. Rating. Yeah. All without Alex Caruso, pretty much our best on ball or I'm sorry, off ball defender, maybe even sometimes on ball defender. Yeah. And the energy then and the, and the spark that he brings too. sorry to interrupt, but I, I mean, that's a big part no. of it too. You know, just like Patrick oh, yeah, Beverly absolutely. with the Clippers. Uh, I mean, this guy, it, you know, sets the tone. Draymond sets the tone for Golden State. I think we're on a collision course with my, Milwaukee. I want it to be the Nets so bad for so many different storyline um, reasons. Little off Kyrie, KD. I, I know I'm. I know I'm way way off, but I just <laughs> I'm looking at stats. I'm pulling stuff up, and I just got to share Milwaukee and the Lakers. I know it's only seven games or whatever into the season. But they're leading all of true shooting, assist, turnover ratio, net rating, defensive rating. They're all one or two, both teams in each pace. I mean, they're one or two in, in each of those categories. So the trend has already started, and I can't wait for January 21st. Between now and then, you're probably going to get two more pods out of this. By the second one from now, I'm going to be all over that game. I can't. I can't wait. You know, it's funny. I got to point something out just a little off topic, but still kind of on topic. Uh, Sunday night, Brooklyn lost to the Washington Wizards and our esteemed colleague, and he does a lot for the production, uh, or I should say the post-production of this podcast, David Portillo, my, my guy, Dave, put out a hilarious video of Kyrie and KD missing the shots with a shadow of LeBron James in the background smirking and it was just the coldest shade you could throw at not really so much at Durant because he didn't initiate the comment, but Kyrie Irving trying to say that 
the clutch thing, right? Like I, I, I know I could, I've always been the best option, but now I got another mother effort and, to say, Hey, I can make that shot too. And they both, both missed makeable shots and lost at home to a Washington Wizards team that may not be good enough to make the playoffs. And I just thought it was the, it was one of the best videos slash memes slash whatever. I mean, it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. Sh- Shout out to the meme god, David, man. Uh, David is he, awesome, man. I, he, I had he, to give him he, a shout. He does it all. Shout out, Dave. Uh, also, Sunday night, this past Sunday night, was a really, really great night for the NBA. You saw Steph give Dame and CJ and the Portland Trailblazers 62, especially coming off of comments that Dame had said earlier about Steph not getting the same looks. Obviously, he wasn't trying to stay, shade Steph, but that's how it turned out in social media these days on and on the platforms. You had LeBron and AD still rolling Memphis. Uh, you had, like you said, Kyrie and KD missed that, uh, those back-to-back jumpers. And you also got to see Paul George and Devin Booker get into it as well, uh, having exchanging some words and, you know, yeah. calling each other soft and Paul George. <laughs> I mean, it was a good I night. Don't know what's, in week I, 17. I, I, don't know, I don't know what's going on, but it's in, in week 17, like you said, last week of the NFL. Yeah. NBA stole some of the headlines, so exactly love to see it. Yeah, no, it was it was it was amazing. And you know, the thing is with Brooklyn, they are a sieve defensively. I mean, they've given up what one thirty and like one forty five already, or one forty one this season. So I mean, they cannot. They weren't going to be able to. They cannot defend a a lick, man. My goodness, they won't be able to stop a cold. We're talking about the Lakers defense. I wonder what New York sports talk radio and the podcasts out there that cover the Nets and the Knicks are saying right now about KD and Kyrie. I mean, granted, it's early. I get it. But, man, I I mean, I don't even know who their defensive stopper is right now. And they they lost what? They probably lost Dinwiddie for the year. Not not to say that he's going to make a world of difference defensively, but still. that I mean, I I think the ship is a little – it's rocking right for right now in Brooklyn. And they lost KD for a week too to covid did protocols he? oh that's right not, I just not, not sure that. not sure exactly what he did or if he has covid it doesn't sound like he has covid uh, it says due to protocols but they don't they're not required to disclose that they just leave it up to protocols so yeah. um you know but then every but the way to read between the lines on that is every few weeks or however often they send out uh this report that shows that x amount of players tested and usually lately that number is zero or it's you know nothing so nobody's testing positive, but guys are still out due to protocols. That just means that guys are not following the rules as closely as the league wanted them to, or whatever the case may be. Uh, I bring that up because Alex Caruso is still out. And yeah. I don't think we've seen him since Christmas or just, or was it just the first I think game? it was, I think sure. it was right. I think he only before... played, I think he played Christmas. Yeah. And right then, and then, and then he wasn't available in the Portland game, which was right after Christmas. Right. So and that was the last time I think the Lakers right. lost a game. So, uh, yeah, it's been a while since Caruso. I think he's only I think he's only played in two of the first seven games thus far. So, you know, hopefully, if he is dealing with it, we wish him a speedy recovery. If he's not dealing with it, we hope that uh, you know he he can get out of this quarantine soon because the Lakers could obviously use him. Uh, maybe not so much this week though. I'm looking at the schedule right now. It's kind of a, it's kind of a soft week. Uh, what, what do you think? You got Memphis again, still no jaw, still no triple J. Uh, you've got the Chicago bulls, right? Uh, at the end of the week and golden. No, yep. I'm sorry. San Antonio, San Antonio on Thursday and then Chicago, Memphis, right? San Antonio, Chicago, Chicago okay. and San Antonio are on a back, back to back. 
Ah, uh, so we'll see kind of how that shakes out. LeBron obviously played both games of the back-to-back. AD, I believe, played only the second night of the – I'm sorry, only the first night of the back-to-back, I believe. And overall, I mean, you're looking at games where the Lakers are going to end up playing Memphis, San Antonio, Chicago, Houston twice, Oklahoma City, Pelicans, Warriors. All those games are before the Milwaukee Bucks. I said that the Lakers could be 8-3 and three or 9-2 and two by the time they go to Houston. Mm. And they're right on pace to be 8-2, and 9-3, or, or, right, or 9-2, 8-3 um, going there right now. All they have to do is show up against Memphis. And I know you don't like to say show up, but because you should no be ja. showing up anyway. No I- Ja, no Jaron, LeBron and AD on the floor. I don't care who else is out there. That's a win. Yeah. Market. <laughs> Two point lead going into the fourth quarter, brother. The game I don't was, care. The game was close up until the final no, minutes when LeBron. No style points in NBA basketball. A wins, a wins, a wins, I'm, a wins. I'm, a win. I'm just no, I that's what I'm saying. I'm not I'm not disputing that. I'm saying just don't think that the Lakers could just show up and win. That that's all I'm saying. Respect your opponent. No. Okay. Respect all right. Opponent. Maybe maybe not against San Antonio, but Chicago. Oh yeah. Ah, that's, a dub. that's a trap that's game, a dub. though. That's another trap no, game. No, Zach Levine. Ain't no tra- Zach ain't no tra- Levine. Game. Just watch out for Zach thing Levine. In San Antonio, same thing in Memphis. Okay. All right. I can't wait until next week. Okay. I just cannot wait until. So let's let's make a. Let's I want make you a to. I want you to repeat after me. Watch out. Podcast. Watch out for Zach Levine. I just want you to say that. Okay. So are you picking the Bulls? I'm not going to pick the Bulls. I'm just saying, watch out for Zach Levine. Are you picking the Grizzlies, the Spurs, or the Bulls in any of those three games? Hmm. I could see the Lakers dropping one of those three. If you want my honest opinion, I don't think they will, but I could see it. <laughs> I think they take the second Memphis game. I think they should take San Antonio and I think they should take the bulls. I think they go three and oh, but if I had to pick one of those games to drop, it's probably the San Antonio game. Let's go a little further. What about the Houston series? Houston, Houston, Oklahoma City, New Orleans. Mm, that's a tough one right there. Ah, Houston, I could definitely see them dropping one. They they got some firepower now. You know, John Wall, they got Harden back. You got Boogie. They, they, they're gonna, they, they may want to prove a point, but even that is not a deal breaker because they don't defend. They don't defend. I'm, I'm telling you that. They don't defend. But it doesn't mean that the Lakers still can't go over there and, and lay an egg. They laid an egg against Portland at home. They laid a, a, an egg against the Clippers. It's possible. Oklahoma yeah, City. Por- oh, God. Por- Portland has firepower. I just saw Houston lose to the Dem- Dallas Mavericks without Ken- Christoph Porzingis. But don't so- forget this. Teams get up for the Lakers. Portland lost to Golden State, right? A team that a lot of people are now not picking to make the playoffs. Gary Trent Jr. couldn't hit anything. He, went, he hit seven threes against the Lakers. You could – basically key that loss against Portland on the performance of Gary Trent Jr. And even Ennis Cancer, because we all knew what McCollum and Lillard are capable of doing along with Nurkic, but it was Trent that went off. My point is certain guys go off for the Lakers. They, they lick their chops when the Lakers come into town. That's why I'm saying if the Lakers just don't come in with a certain type of effort, especially on the defensive end, they could drop one of those games. Absolutely. Yeah, they, they could. They could, but they won't. Okay. And by the time we're and by the time we're speaking on this podcast next week, Lakers will be eight and two. I 
I honestly hope you're right. I think you are right. I, I always just go in with just a little bit of cautious optimism. That's just me. That's just me. You know, I, I, I've been through the whole, oh, God, they're going to roll. They're going to roll through. They're going to roll through. And, and, and then all of a sudden, something happens where it's like, man, we really underestimated those guys. So just to keep things just in a certain level of perspective, that way we don't have our purple and gold beer goggles on all the time or that we just think they're going to roll through everybody. All right. Just saying. That, that Pelicans game, though, January 15th. That's going to be fun. That's going to be fun. Potential trap game. But that's that, a trap that's, game, yeah. That's that's. Nat- I don't even think that's a trap game. That, yeah, I mean, don't, that's nationally televised on ESPN. Yeah, I mean they're they're going to struggle. They're going to struggle to contain LeBron James. I think the Lakers have enough bodies that they could throw at Zion. But it's a, it's a game like this where now Montres Harrell, that's going to be a matchup. Trez versus Zion. How could he do against him? Yeah, last year it was Dwight that took on Zion. Then we saw AD at times, but. Trez, and I Kuzma think getting dunked on by Zion. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. Hold on. Before we wrap up, can you explain something to me? The up and down that is Kyle Kuzma. Off the bench, he struggles. As a starter, he does good. Some nights he looks really solid defensively, especially coming over to give help. On the on the on man-to-man coverage, it always seems at times he's just not always engaged, man. Can you can you can you enlighten me over here? What am I missing? <laughs> I haven't seen very many times defensively Kuz be out of position. Maybe I could probably count on one hand. For the most part, Kuz has been in position. His shot selection sometimes isn't the absolute best, or his multiple dribble mm. shot attempts aren't the best. But mm. his playmaking is much better. There's been plenty of times where I'm like, oh, shoot that Kuz. And then he makes a nice extra pass, hockey pass, whatever it is to get go from a good shot to a great shot. I agree so with that aspect. Yeah. Him, him being able to do that makes up for some of the bad shots that he makes, even though he makes some of them. He makes, he takes bad shots sometimes, but he makes some of them sometimes as well. Like there was the step back three that he had where he didn't really need to step back, but he did and he made it. So did he call N one. <laughs> he didn't call N one, but he made that thing. So for, for Kuz, okay. he, as long as he continues to average 12, to 16 points a game. If he averages anything above that, that's, I mean, you're getting twice the amount of the investment that you probably thought that you would get in terms of the defense that he brings, as well as how good of a fit he is, the length, his size, the versatility. Per- I got you. Personality as well. Like mm-hmm. he's not this, yes, he's an outgoing guy, but he's not a rah rah guy at the same time. Right. No, no, he's very, he's, he's, he's a guy. He's quiet. He's quiet. Yeah. yeah. So so he, he fits really good in the locker room. He lets guys lead. He he knows his spot and he knows he's not going to go anywhere anytime soon. So anytime anybody is out, it's Kuz that's going to start. There's there's never going to be a time where somebody's out for the rest of the season where we don't know who's starting. If Schroeder's out, if Bron's out, AD's out, even Gasol is out, you're going to see Kuz start because he is that guy that Vogel will trust to be able to fill in that spot and to be able to get the level of production that's needed to help the, se- the team succeed. One more question. I'm going to answer this too, but I'm going to ask you first, if the Lakers needed to add one more piece between now and the end of the season, will it be in the front court? Should it be in the front court? I should say, or should it be one more long athletic wing three and D guy? 
it should and it will be a backup five. It won't be Dwayne Dedman, but it'll be somebody else. Okay. I promise you that. Okay. Okay. I personally agree with you, but if a guy like Trevor Ariza became available, and I don't think there's as many miles on those legs because he sat out at the end of last year, he's not playing this year. Oklahoma City is going to do what Memphis did with Iguodala, where it's like, we're going to hold out to the last possible minute and then try to see if we could extract some value for this guy. Cause you all know, we all know that that's what Sam Presti wants. He wants more picks. He wants more assets. Uh, so if he could flip one of his last um, manageable contracts, veteran players to get something for him, I would say I would love to have somebody like Trevor Reza at your disposal, especially in a potential showdown with the Clippers. I just think with those two guys with Paul George and Kawhi, the length and the size of them on the perimeter, it would be helpful to have somebody like Trevor Reza. But I agree with you. A backup five would be good. I'm cool with Dwayne Dedman, but if they decide to go elsewhere, that's fine too. But somebody, a, a, a Trevor Reza Laker reunion, you got to admit would be pretty attractive and he would still help out even in a short term basis and, and short minute basis. I'll go. Trevor Ariza Laker reunion for 400 Bob over a Paul Gasol reunion all day. Um, oh, me too. Me too. All day. Yeah. All day. I don't um, know. That should, that shouldn't even be debatable, but more than anything as well. I don't think that Marcus all is going to last the entire season. He is going to miss games. So where, where are you going to go when you have only AD and Trez and Keith? And we know AD play... doesn't like to play the five. Exactly. So we we gonna start Trez at the five instead. I mean, we could, and then have Keith come in, and then Kuz. You know, like we'll figure. We have that level of depth where we could figure it out. Now, would we want to do it a certain that way? Probably not. But at least we have the luxury to be able to do that if we want it. If Rob Blanca and Coach Vogel wanted to do so. So and I think uh, and I think Polinka is going to wait until the front court becomes an issue before he actually makes a move, makes a deal, makes a signing or anything like that. And just remember, Alfonso McKinney's contract is a potential trade chip to not only clear up a roster spot, but also clear up some salary so you could pay somebody to come in and address that immediate need. So just something Great to watch point, out. My for. brother. Yeah. Great point. All right. Well, that's going to about do it for us on this edition of Showtime Forum. I think we've given everybody enough to digest and mull over. And as uh, Paul Giamatti said in Fred Claus, Fred, I'm going to let that marinate. <laughs> Not to chew on for a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, but be sure to follow us on all social media and streaming platforms at Showtime Forum. That's at Showtime Forum, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to follow me. Uh, on Twitter at Chris underscore Camello. I'm also on Instagram, C Camello one Camello's corner by Chris Camello on Facebook. Chaz, how can they follow you? My friend. Oh, get at me on Twitter at Chaz Pearson and on Instagram at Chaz P. Don't forget. We also got merch and it's a new year. Get some of that new wardrobe going. If you want to add to your wardrobe and uh, you know, support, support the, support the Lakers, but more importantly, support our guys that are doing the work here on Showtime Forum. we got our guy, Adele Del Toro, Camp Beat LA, CBLA.com. He's got fantastic merchandise. My and dog. Also, yep, that's that's the guy right there. And also, Golden Knight, GFX.com. That's our guy, Javi. So both guys are have really done a fantastic job with their merchandise, shirts, 
hats, sweatshirts. You can get it for yourself, for your girls, for your kids, boys, girls. They, they got you. They got you covered. So be sure to check out their stuff. Lakers back at My it. Other dog. Yes, sir. The Lakers <laughs> back at it Tuesday night at the city of blues in Memphis to try to sweep the two game set with the Grizzlies. Chaz, another good one, my friend. Take care, everybody. Be healthy and safe in the new year. Happy New Year. Let's let's keep it rolling, Laker Nation. Peace.